called foundations of the faith. Foundations of the faith. And we started on Easter Sunday, and we looked at the power of the cross. And what we said when we talked about the power of the cross is that the cross forever defeats our greatest enemy. And when the cross defeats your greatest enemy, what it means is that Jesus Christ has defeated the thing that you fear the most. And if Jesus Christ has defeated the thing that you fear the most, then he can defeat any issue that you're facing. The second week, we had a message called The Call to Discipleship. And I mentioned that there is no difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. And in Acts chapter 11, it tells us that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So, disciples were called Christians. So, there is no difference between being a disciple and being a Christian. And sometimes we think that, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really a disciple. No, no, no. If you are a Christian, you are called to be a disciple. So I'm basically going through a number of sermons that we could call discipleship sermons. I'm talking about how do we as Christians live out our Christian lives. Then last week, we looked at ordinary supernatural Christianity. Ordinary supernatural Christianity. And I mentioned that when we accept the call, we are supernaturally changed. When God calls us and we become Christians, there is a transformation that takes place in us. The problem is that sometimes we are transformed by God, but we have moved now from being a caterpillar to a butterfly, but what we're doing is we're still crawling on the ground and we need to grow. We need to hear the call and follow what Jesus Christ is saying to us. So we need to have a transformation in about our lives. Then I mentioned also last week that we need to learn to love God the way God wants us to love him. Now that is a little bit different from learning just how to love God the way we want to love God. Because God has a specific way he responds to people. And if we learn how to love God, the first commandment, we mentioned that first commandment, what's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So the first thing that God says that any Christian should do is learn to love God. And so as we learn to love God, we need to watch and see, no, how can we understand God's love language? And if we want to understand God's love language, guess what? We need to look at someone who knew God very much and see how that person loved God. And that person, of course, is Jesus Christ. So if we learn how Jesus Christ loved the Father, then we can see how we as Christians can love the Father too. And we mentioned a number of things that Jesus Christ did. The first thing he did was spend time with God. You're a Christian. 
You need to spend time with God. And we're not just talking now about devotions, having your daily devotion. We're talking about spending time with God where he speaks to you. Spending time with God where you are doing nothing special. Now, that is a little bit strange sometimes. But Daly and I have been married 23 years. And in June, June 20, we'll be married 24 years. And sometimes we are together and she's not speaking to me. But it's okay because I know she loves me. And sometimes when you love somebody, you just want to spend time with the person, even if you don't have anything to say. And if you want to learn how to love God, we need to spend time with him, he, even when we don't have anything to say to him. It's strange, but sometimes we just don't have anything to say to him, but you're his friend. And that's the third thing I mentioned, that God wants to be our friend. And I didn't really go into that because I'm going to do a whole series of messages on friendship with God. So that brings us back to today. And today we are going to be looking at a message called Worship and the Word. Worship and the Word. And this is still in our discipleship messages because what we need to do is understand how to love God. And one of the ways we understand how to love God is how we worship this God that has won our hearts to him. So we are all born to be worshipers. We are all born to be worshipers. If you think about it, every single person finds some way of exhibiting this, this innate thing that they have inside of them where I want to give adoration to somebody else. Nothing is wrong with that. When it comes to sports, you might be a Redskins fan. Now, if you're a Redskins fan, there is nothing wrong with that. I don't know why you would be a Redskins fan. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, maybe. No, I'm, 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 I'm not. I, believe you me, I'm not really into following teams. I'm just messing with you guys. But you may be a sports fan, and the reason we celebrate sports team is because we have something in us that want to look at somebody else and say, Good job. Yeah. Our team, go. Guess what? That is an innate call to worship. Then it happens with sports. We have sports shows, television shows, where shows like American Idol and millions of people, what, what is it, 20 million people calling in to, 70 million people calling in to vote for a singer? That's crazy. I've, I have called in, by the way, in the past. <laughs> so that's crazy. Why are you watching a television show and calling in people to vote? I, I want this thing. But that's what we do. That is showing that there is something inside of us that wants to worship. Then we have the biggest loser, and we're, we're cheering for this person who needs to lose weight. And then you have the amazing race. And people are running around the world and you have your team and you're, you're cheering for this team. That's because there is a call inside of us to worship. Survivor? No. I was a Survivor fan the first season. 
But after the first season, I watch it sometimes when Delia has the TV on, but I'm not a Survivor fan anymore. But we just love to watch these shows because there is something inside of us that wants to worship. And we don't deny that. What we do is we say, this is a sign that shows us that we are made to worship. When it comes to music stars, this week is 30 years since Bob Marley died. 30 years he died at 36. And he is still one of the number one singers, one of the number one album sellers of all times. People are still buying his albums. 30, 30 years later, then everybody knows that Elvis is still living. How, how long now since Elvis has died? Many years, but people are still saying Elvis is alive and they build shrines to Elvis. In fact, I want us to watch this little clip right now. And as we watch this clip, this clip is going to show you that thing that I've been talking about where we just want to worship others. And so this clip is going to be a clip that talks a little bit about Elvis Presley. And we are just going to watch it and then I'll talk some more. I don't think uh, anyone could ever imitate him. So I uh, became a Nelvis impersonator. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care. When you put no your greater around me, uh, tribute you can give to somebody than impersonating. When you kiss me, now, fever when you some people carry it too far, and uh, fever. This is bad. In the morning, fever all through the night. I thought it'd be nice for both of us to do a two-man show instead of a one-man show. That that way, you got two else's blending in together. So we feed off each other, and that's what creates the bondage. Fever. Although it sounds gimmicky, many, many more people have listened to me because of being the, the world's only known Episcopalian Archbishop that does a tribute to Elvis. something you all know. Fever isn't such a new thing. Fever started long ago. Austin normally does concerts local, and he's in every parade. We used to put him on stage, but you didn't get money on stage, you just got more recognition. So now we put him on the street corner. Fever, I'm on fire. Fever, yeah, I burn for sooth. There were about 45 known Captain Elvis impersonators uh, when he died. Today there's over 36,000 worldwide. Now if that growth continues, Three out of four people on the planet will be an Elvis impersonator.
If he's looking down on all this right now, he would want to have us. There is a term in communication studies that is called audience identification. And it says that we want to identify with someone. And so we vicariously look at somebody else on television and we think we know them. And when I say vicariously, I mean you begin to take on their characteristics and you begin to behave the way they behave and you act the way they act and you respond to the way they respond. We all want to worship somebody and when we worship somebody, we live our lives based on how we believe that person would want us to live. Some people, whenever they're going to make a decision, they say, no, what would Elvis do? They actually do, and they have shrines to him. So what I want to do now is not say anything bad about being a fan of Elvis or say anything bad about being a fan of any television show. That just simply shows us that there is something in us that wants to worship. And when you see somebody who is going through all of that, you need to realize that the reason they do that is because that's the way they were built. See how that works? They were built to worship. And so even if you're a Christian, we have this thing inside of us that wants to respond to somebody else. Let's look at a verse of Scripture, a couple of verses of Scripture. John chapter 2, chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. Jesus is having this conversation with this woman at the well. No, stay, stay right there. There is this conversation that is going on with this woman at the well, and we're going to come to that in a, in a second, because... When Jesus had this conversation with this woman, he noticed something about this woman, that the, this woman wanted something to worship. She wanted to worship somebody else. And St. Augustine, St. Augustine once said, O Lord, thou hast formed us for thyself. Our hearts are restless till they find rest in you. And this is what Jesus Christ said when he spoke to this woman because he noticed that her heart was restless, that she wanted somebody to worship. And so we're going to be talking about exactly what St. Augustine noticed, that our hearts, there is, there is a something built inside of us that wants to worship somebody else. And sometimes we just don't know how to place that love, how to place that worship. So here goes. John chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. You worship what you do not know. We know that we worship who we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus Christ was saying to this woman, you are looking for somebody to worship, and the person that you're looking to worship, I am that person. Because salvation is coming through me. This was a mystery to this woman. But it is so important for us to learn who we are worshiping so that our worship takes on a different form. Some years ago, I, I was living in South Florida. After we migrated from Jamaica, we moved to the U.S. in 1992. We lived in South Florida, Hollywood, Florida. And in 1997, I had this dramatic call to ministry. And I'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But when I had this dramatic call to ministry, what happened was that I realized that I needed to spend more time with God. I needed to call to him. I needed to have him speak to my heart. And so there was a the time that daily I was going to take some time. By the way, if you're, you're new here and I keep talking about daily, daily is my wife. She's sitting right here. And I, daily I was about to spend a weekend with her sister who was living in Miami, just a little bit south of Hollywood, Florida. And so daily I went to spend this time with her sister. And I said, great. I want to spend more time with God. Daily is going to be with her sister. This is my weekend. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn off the phone. I'm going to turn off the computer. No television. I'm going to fast for three days. No, I'm, I'm kind of hard, hardcore. I'm going to fast for three days, three absolute days of fasting. No drink, water, food, television shows. No, nothing. Just me and God. And so they left and... I sent her off, and I said, okay, now it's time to go. So here I am. I have 72 hours with my Lord and my Savior. And I decided that I'm going to pace myself. 72 hours, you have to pace yourself. And so I started, I'm not going to ask him anything. I'm just going to worship him. And so I worshiped God. And I told him how much I loved him. And I told him everything I knew about him, everything I could say to him. And then I looked at my watch, and it was half an hour. <laughs> 30 minutes down, 71 and a half hours to go. And I realized I was worshiping a God who I did not know. The verse says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Our worship has to come from a place where we understand who we are worshiping. And when we understand who we are worshiping, that will help to lend more to our worship time. True worship. True worship comes when through the power of the Holy Spirit, we bring tribute to God with our whole hearts. That is, you don't just simply say things to him, but it comes from your heart, 
And the Spirit of God gives you this, this whole thing of, Lord, I love you so much. I appreciate you. I thank you for who you are. And that just comes from your spirit. But it has to come from your spirit in a place of truth. So here are some points that we need to understand about worship. First, we need to study who God is. The same way I had this problem where I was worshiping God and I didn't quite know who he was. I had been a Christian for more than 20 years by that time. But I didn't really know who God is. And so you know what I did? I went on a mission. I said, I'm going to go through the Bible and I'm going to look for everything that the Bible tells us about God. Because when we understand who God is, then we have the chance now of saying things to him that develops from our spirit. And the more things develop from our spirits, then we're able to say those things to God which would not be artificial. Sometimes our worship is artificial because all we're doing is adding words to words to words. And we're adding phrases to phrases to phrases and we're not impressing God. However, if you know who God is and you begin to understand and appreciate him more, then it changes your entire life. It's like this. A guy is dating a girl. Some of you are dating right now. And the, girl, the, the guy tells the girl, I love you. And she says, yes. I'm so glad. Why do you love me? And the guy says, just because. Now, I appreciate the fact that you love the girl just because, but you need more lyrics than that. <laughs> if you're going to date a girl, you need to be able to tell her why you love her. And if you don't know who she is, then you can't tell her, I love you because of the wonderful person you are inside. I love you because you know how to take care of things. I love you because you are a wonderful wife. You're a wonderful woman. You're a wonderful person. You, you, you need to be able to, be, to say not I love you alone, but to be able to say you are a fantastic person. You care for people. You do this, and you can describe things about that woman. Now, let, I'm going to ask this question of all the women here. If a guy came to you and he is in love with you and all he knows about being in love with you is that he loves you and that's all he can tell you or if he said to you, I love you because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G and he spills out the entire alphabet, which one would you prefer? Would you prefer A, I love you because I love you? Raise your hand. Or I love you because you're a good cook and you are good. All right. Now we're talking. That is how it is with our worship of God. We need to know who he is so that we can add lyrics to our worship. No, the lyrics is not what is going to be the worship. The lyrics is what you understand about this person who you are worshiping. And as you understand more about this person you are worshiping, then you can add words 
to the feelings that you have for this God. If you can say to God, Lord, I love you because you are my righteousness. I love you because you are my strong tower and my refuge. You are my help when I'm in trouble. I love you because you are my healer and you are my deliverer. That coming from a spirit of understanding who God is means more to God than you just saying, God, I love you because you're just God. See what I'm saying? Now, now that I've explained that words are important, I want you to understand that worship can usher you into the presence of God, but words can drive you out every time. Worship can usher you into the presence of God, but words can drive you out every time. So even though we're using words in our worship, there comes a time when you just need to sit in the presence of God. That's why I like soaking prayer. No, I'm not very good when it comes to certain formal types of soaking. I'm not very good at that. I fall asleep. But I have significant time of just soaking. I have a prayer room at home, and I go to my prayer room, and in silence, I just spend time with God. And sometimes when God's presence is in the meeting, even in our worship time here, it is good for us not to just continue talking and continue singing and continue saying things. Sometimes it's just good for us to relax. That's why sometimes we just dial back from the singing, and we just have you just spend time in God's presence because that is very important. And once we organize ourselves and we straighten ourselves out with Go Church, we're going to have soaking prayer because we don't just want to talk to God. We want God to talk to us. And sometimes we don't just want to talk to God and God talk to us. Sometimes we just want to be with him. So words will drive you out every time. I want to, to ask Evelyn to just come here for a second. Evelyn is one of our worship team members and Evelyn has been someone who has a deep Call to worship. And I want to ask you, Evelyn, when it comes to worshiping God, where does this, this, all these things you say to God come from? Because she is, is one who, she will, you notice today we, we, we said just sing out to God, she just led out because there is just something inside of her. Evelyn, where, where does something like that come from? It comes from uh, an incredible healing process, first of all, and, um, and just sitting with him and allowing him to teach me who he is. It just so so when you, when you say you just sit with him, what do you say to him when you're just sitting with him? Ooh. <laughs> I write it all. I have a big book. <laughs> okay. I just 
I just cry out to him. It, it, you know, there are times as pastor says that you sit there and, and there are no words. I, my words are so limited to him. Example, one time I was going through a, a spell. You know how we all go through these moments, these, these desert moments. And there was, and I was, I just didn't know what to do anymore. I went to the prayer room and I sat. I hadn't been, oh, that's what it was. I hadn't been reading the word. I hadn't been praying because I'm a bit too busy. And I ran to the prayer room this one day, and I said, I just got to sit with you. And I really thought it was going to take a lot for me to get into his presence. And when I went into that room and I sat down, it was like he was waiting for me. And it overwhelmed me, his love. just overwhelmed me. And I just sat there, and all I did was cry. Because there was nothing I had to do. You know how we always think we have to pray more, we have to read more. And if we miss that, oh my gosh, we're out of his presence. But the truth is, is that he just overwhelms us with that love, no matter. It's who we are. He sees us who we are. We, We can fake it to each other, but he sees me as I am. And he adores me. How can I not, how can I not worship him? Final question. Sometimes when you are worshiping. This was not prepared, by the way. (laughs) Sometimes when you're you're worshiping God and you run out of words, what do you do? I let his sounds come from me, his groaning. I let that Holy Spirit just pour, just come out of me. I don't need words. I, I just allow. Sometimes you hear me up here, and sometimes in between you hear, uh, hmm. It, it's, it's, it's because when I'm worshiping him, when I come to worship the Lord, that's why I tell you when the music goes off and stuff, it doesn't matter because when you are worshiping him and you are in his presence and all you care is to just adore him you don't need the music you there's a groan that just comes out of you I, there are no words thank you so much <laughs> see we're trying to be as practical as possible when it comes to these messages because we need to learn how to develop our lives as worshipers. One more thing I want to mention. We need to check our worship ratio. And when I talk about check our worship ratio, what I mean is look at your life and see what you're doing when it comes to worshiping God. Are you spending three quarters of your time with God asking him for things? Are you spending three quarters of your time giving him your shopping list? Or are you just telling him how much you appreciate him? If you find that there is too much on one side, then it means that sometimes we need to have an adjustment of what we're doing. You're spending too much time talking to God. You're spending too much time telling him things and and you're asking him things. Sometimes you just need to worship him. Finally, build your worship brick by brick. When I say build your worship brick by brick, what I mean is don't try to become the international worshiper overnight. If you notice that your worship is weak, that's okay. We are being disciples. And as we're being disciples, what we do is 
we start here and we use what we know and we take it from one step to the next step to the next step until you grow in who you know God is. And you might just start with your Lord. And you might look up in scriptures verses that just say, your Lord. And you move from that step by step by step until you know God more. Finally, the word worship comes not just from the things we have learned about God, but because he truly is worthy. And so I want to end this little talk about worship by just showing a quick clip that will talk about why we worship the way we worship.
just about us. It's about him. And we bring our worship to God as we simply allow him to speak into our lives. But this morning, I want us to understand that worship doesn't come from just our spirit. It has to be based on the word of God. So I'm going to go quickly, and for the next 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the word of God which is essential for us as Christians. So we've talked about so far how we need to love God, how we need to spend time with Him, how we need to understand who He is, and, and how we need to live lives of holiness. And we've talked about worship. Now it's important for us as Christians to learn how to respect and, and believe in the Word of God. The Bible is God's gift to mankind to show us his ways and his thoughts. And God tells us what he wants us to believe about everything that pertains to us in the Bible. Now, the Bible is not going to tell you about the internet, although it does tell us about knowledge increasing. But what the Bible does is it tells us the principles under which we can live our lives. And so, every single disciple... Every single Christian needs to read the Bible in its entirety at least once in your life. You're a Christian. This is the book that governs our life. We need to read it at least once. Now, believe you me, I understand that sometimes it's a little bit tricky to read the book of Numbers when it's talking about this person begat that person and it's given lots of lists. When you go through those sections, just enjoy. Just allow it to just, God to speak to you through that. Guess what? I have read sections like that in the Bible and I was just reading through, reading through and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit and showed me something about a verse in a section that I thought was not that important. We need to seek to understand what the Heavenly Father is trying to convey to us. What is God trying to say to us as Christians as we go through His Word? And sometimes we might think it is difficult, but maybe the answer is easier than we want to think. Become an expert on one thing. Here's why I say this. Sometimes as Christians, we tend to think that we need to understand everything about everything. And guess what? It's not going to happen. But you might be an expert on healing. And you have just studied the, the verses in the Bible on healing. If you decide that this is going to be my thing that I'm going to sink into and I'm going to try to understand that. It's going to make a big difference in your life. Some people are, are, are people who have spent time studying healing. Some people have spent time studying the Holy Spirit. That, that is one of the things that I love to do. I, lo I love to study the Holy Spirit. And so over the years, I have spent months and, and years just looking at who the Holy Spirit is. Some people might decide my big thing is going to be inner healing. 
and you're going to look and see in the Bible every single place that the Bible talks about inner healing. Some people might say, my thing is going to be prophecy. If you decide that you are going to become an expert, and when I say an expert, I'm using the word lightly. If you decide that you're going to become an expert at one thing, guess what? At the end of that time, you would probably know more about that one thing than many people in the room that you're sitting with. And then after you become an expert at inner healing, then you can say, okay, God, you, has ha you have had me in this time of inner healing. Now, what is the next thing you want me to learn about? See how that works? You don't try to become an expert at everything at the same time. You just simply dig into one thing and become a person who understands verses and what God is saying in one area and then move it on. So, quickly, I'm going to go through very quickly, and what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to share some things that will take you a little bit beyond beginner stage. This is a course on discipleship, and I want you to understand there is more and more and more for you as a Christian. So, in Job chapter 11, there's a verse that says, but oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you that, you, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom, for they are double, for they would double your prudence. Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? What was happening is Job had been going through a very hard time, to say the least. And as Job was going through this very hard time, his friends were talking to him. But this friend was a very wise man, even though he said many things that were wrong. And he said, God's word would double your prudence. You know why? Because the word of God is so rich that the more you dig into it and the deeper you go, it's the more you're learning. And you think that you have learned all the layers of his word. And the deeper you go, the more you learn. And the deeper you go, the more you learn. So, here are some things that can help you, and I'm going to just simply show you a few things that have helped me in my walk as I've learned to mature from a baby Christian to a little bit bigger baby Christian. But the things that I'm going to show you is only tools, and I want you to understand that God can teach you more than any book, any guide, any help ever can. The tools we use merely help us to position ourselves for the Holy Spirit to unlock the scriptures. And so I'm going to share some tools. And the first tool that you want is the Bible. You're going to learn the Bible. This has to be the most important thing. The Bible itself. You have to have a Bible. And after you have a Bible, then... There are some things about the Bible that you, you need to understand, and I'm going to come back to talking a little bit about the Bible in a second. But then after we have the Bible, we have an interlinear Bible. And an interlinear Bible is a weird Bible. I have an interlinear Bible here, and what the interlinear Bible does, so it's a very weird Bible in the sense that it has Greek 
and I'll show you an actual passage of the interlinear Bible. But what this interlinear Bible does is, you, you ever wondered what did the Bible really say? Because you have different translations, and as you have different translations, you wonder what was the actual wording? Is it the, the wording from this translation or the other? And the interlinear Bible, interlinear meaning interline, where it has the Greek, and you can ignore the Greek. And then after it has the, 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 the Greek, in between each line, it gives you some exact wording in English. So that's the interlinear Bible. We'll, we'll just mention that. Then the next thing we have is our concordances. I have this big book, and it looks very foreboding. It looks like a book that nobody wants to have. It's actually very cheap. And this book is a concordance, and it has almost every word in the King James Bible. And so if you want to ever find a verse of Scripture, I think this... I think I bought this for $19.95, maybe a little bit more. It, it's really cheap, even though it's so big. But if you ever want to look up a verse like you remember the Holy Spirit is bringing in remembrance something that you looked at, this concordance will help you to find that verse. So it's very helpful for a Christian who wants to grow as a Christian. Then we have Bible commentaries. Bible commentaries sound like they are really big and bad and bold. Here's my favorite Bible commentary. It's called Hard Sayings of the Bible. And what this does is, and this is not elementary. This is a little bit more, but we want to grow as Christians. And this helps you. For example, this Bible commentary, Hard Sayings of the Bible, it explains all the, the, the harder passages in the Bible. For example... The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. What did he mean by that? Anyone who says, you fool, will be danger of hellfire. Why? Slaves, obey your earthly masters. So what it does is it simply goes through the Bible, and it gives you all those very difficult passages that you can't understand what it is. And in very layman's term, this book, Hard Saints of the Bible, by... Kaiser, Davids, and Bruce, it explains all those hard questions. Sometimes you just have those hard questions that annoy you sometimes. Hard sayings of the Bible. So some Bible commentaries help with that. Then there is what we call a Bible dictionary. A Bible dictionary is something that just simply works like a regular dictionary. You want to learn about horses, and it gives you different things about horses. You want to learn about different people. It's like a dictionary, just that it's specifically for the Bible. And then there are timeline aids. I'm not going to show you a timeline aid. But the final thing I want to talk about is ask God questions. He will actually answer you when you ask him questions about the Bible. He will help you because he wants to help you. All right, here is the hard part. Some people are wondering as Christians, and I'll end with this part, but some people are wondering about, as Christians, which version of the Bible should I use? And so here, just to explain to you, I have a list of all the versions of the Bible, and this will give you 
not all the versions, but many of the versions. So let's look at it right now. Here we have the Bible, and see right here, the closest version is the interlinear Bible. And the interlinear Bible, as I said, it, gives, it doesn't try to make it sound good. It just gives you word for word for word. So that's the close, if you ever want to find out what's the closest version to the Bible that I want, that I can get, it's the interlinear. Then this is the New American Standard Bible. And notice that this says word for word. What it does is it gives you the Bible, the translation from the Hebrew, Old Testament, or the Greek. It gives you it word for word for word. It's the closest you can get to the original text. Then you have the King James Version. Many people might be surprised by that, but the King James Version is very close to the original. Then next, you have the New King James Version. That's my version. And the reason I use the New King James Version is that I studied many verses as a child, and I studied with the King James Bible. And because I knew all these verses, I wanted a version that didn't sound as formal as the King James, but would help me. So the New King James is there. Then this, this is word for word. Then this section here is thought for thought, where it actually explains to you things, not in the exact wording, but it explains it more as a kind of thought. And for yeah, the Revised Standard, the New Revised Standard versions, the, North, um, the New, what's NAB? New American, New American Bible. Then you have the Nearly Inspired Version. No, I'm sorry. That's the New International Version. That's the version Daily likes to use. Then the New in International Revised Version. So the closer you are to this side, is the closer you are to word for word for word. And then this is thought for thought. And then by the time you get down to this side where you have the Living Bible, the Message Bible, and whatever is DIV, I'm not sure, that gives you a paraphrasing of the scriptures. So this just gives you an idea of the different types of Bibles you can use. And the reason I want to show you that is to help you to understand which is the best version for you. Now, which is the best version? The best version of the Bible is the one that you will use and God will speak to you through that version. He can help you through whichever version there is. Okay, this one is for free and I'll end right here. This is, this is something that I want you to ignore if, ignore the Greek part of it, but I'm going to just show you one, one thing with the interlinear Bible, which I mentioned before, how it looks. So here we go. That's the interlinear Bible where it gives you the Greek, and then in between the lines, it doesn't try to explain it to you easily. It just simply gives you the words. But here's why sometimes reading this might help you. And I'm not going to spend any time with this, but see this? It says, let me come down so I can show you. It says, when therefore they breakfast, says to Simon Peter, Jesus, Simon, son of God, lovest thou me more than these? He says to him, yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says to him, feed the lambs of me. He says to him, again, secondly, so it's not really readable. See how that works? It's not readable. However, sometimes just 
having something like this can help you, and I'll show you how. See the word love? The, the story is Jesus was restoring Peter, and he told him three different times, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And English has one word for love. But notice this. See this word right here? This is in Greek. You can ignore this part, but this is A-G-A-P-A-S. What does that spell? Agapa? Agapas? Anyone ever heard about agape love? So Jesus Christ was really saying, Simon, do you love me with the love of devotion? And see this one? This is loose, the P-I-L-O, Philo, as in Philadelphia. What is Philadelphia? The city of? Brotherly love. So notice what happens. Jesus Christ said to Simon, Simon, do you love me with the love of devotion? And guess what Simon answered? Yes, Lord, you know I like you. <laughs> and then Jesus said a second time, Simon, do you love me with the love of devotion? And Jesus said, yes, Lord, I like you. And then the third time he said, Lord, Simon, do you like me? And Simon was embarrassed and he said, Lord, you know. So sometimes just seeing that will help you to understand that there is something happening. Why did I go through all of this? I didn't go through all of this this morning to overwhelm you. I don't want to overwhelm you. I don't want to scare you off. What I want to do is show you that there is so much more to the word of God. And you as a Christian can grow. You as a Christian can grow in the knowledge of the Lord. There is more for you. And so I'm going to be closing in prayer right now. But I want you to understand that God wants you to be his child. He wants you to be his disciple. He wants you to grow to love him. He wants you to grow to spend time with him. He wants you to grow to worship him and to enjoy his word. You are about to grow. This might seem like, man, that's meat. That's too much meat. But don't worry. Next week we'll be talking about something very important to me, the priesthood of the believer. And that's going to be a lighter word. So don't be scared. We're going to be talking about women in ministry and we're going to be talking about why we are all calling, how we are wired differently. So we are in a growth pattern. We're in a growth pattern here. But God wants you to grow. So I want to pray for your growth as a Christian. Because it's important to God that you grow as a Christian. So let's stand right now. And as we stand, I want you to understand there is just so much more in God. And He wants to develop us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to learn to love Him. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. Lord, just going through these things, it sounds so much. Just, just looking at Your Word, it seems as if, wow, can I ever do that? But Lord, I ask you to help us to 
take baby steps. Help us to grow in your knowledge, Lord. Father, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here this morning. I ask you that you would fill them with your spirit, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that you would cause them to grow in your knowledge, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to let your spirit just fill them. Lord, you're calling us to a deeper walk. You're calling us, Lord, to go further. You're calling us, Lord, to move deeper and higher, Lord. And so I ask you, Heavenly Father, to touch my brothers and sisters this morning. I ask you, Lord, to touch them and, and just fill them up with your knowledge, Lord. Fill them up with your goodness, O oh God. Lord, you're calling us to discipleship. So my brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel. And as you go, know that the Lord Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. Go in peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen.